Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. I'm John Norman and what a brilliant show we have lined up for you today. So many topics to get stuck into from sledging and god scratching, from the SCG to the Gabba and even the return of Kirtley Ambrose. Oh and there's even a brand new England cricket tour about to get underway. Let's talk about that shall we? It's a series that ESPN Crick Info's Andrew Fernando says is way too close to call. If I had to pick a favourite it's really tough because... Both teams have substantial flaws. A decent whack of the show given up to preview in the two-test series between Sri Lanka and England. That's coming up. You'll hear from Chris Wokes, but we can't turn our attention too far away from the events in Australia, where India once again proved their doubters badly wrong. One man who never admits to being wrong is Jared Kimber. He's with us shortly. I've always respected you as a journalist. I cannot believe you are not writing a huge article about what Steve Smith has done. It's me, John Norman, it's him, Steve Harmison, it's the Cricket Collective, and it's TalkSport 2. So welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison to come as well. A couple of uh, really good guests along the way. There's a lot of options for you in terms of cricket shows, so really appreciate the fact that you're choosing the following on podcast and the Cricket Collective. Right, let's get on with things. Uh, Chris Wokes, England's all-rounder, has been speaking. He's out of isolation, out of quarantine after an enforced break, and he caught up with uh, TalkSport's Scott Taylor. Hey Chris, you've seen with uh, Sri Lanka's recent tour of South Africa and, and with Australia and, and India and Australia, sorry, there's a lot of injuries picked up by the fast bowlers and that could be because you're in the bubble environment. Is there a concern for you guys that, especially with the amount of test cricket you have in 2021, that there will be niggling injuries? Um, I don't know if, yeah, I mean, look, there's always injuries, um, you know, a busy schedule ahead. I think that's where your, you know, your fitness and your S&C and your nutrition and, you know, I suppose your professionalism all round comes into play. Um, you have to try and look after yourselves, look after your bodies. 
um, do the right things, uh, and then kind of it's out of your hands, you know what I mean? But um, I think whether, I mean, I'm not sure the case with, with the Sri Lanka guys, um, but, you know, we've obviously got a lot of tests coming up. Um, there has been talk of rotation. Um, there's been talk of giving guys breaks at certain times. And that's not just from a physical point of view. It's obviously from a mental side as well. Um, so it's something we have to keep an eye on, yeah. But we kind of know as fast bowlers, occasionally you are going to pick up niggles and basically try and mitigate that risk as much as possible by doing the right things. Um, you know, listening to the experts and, and trying to follow, I suppose, your programmes, gym programmes, nutrition, sleep, all those sort of things come into play. And we try and do that well. And I think we actually do do that quite well as a team, to be honest. And you talk about the busy 2021 in Test cricket for England as well. You've got a T20 World Cup at the back end. Do you allow yourself to get excited by potentially what England can achieve this year? Um, I think it's hard to, actually. It's hard to look that far ahead. You know, we, we, we play a lot of cricket nowadays and you kind of just look at what's in front of you. Um, you know, we've got a really exciting India series after the Sri Lanka series, but it's hard to, to even see that far ahead when you've got these two Test matches right in front of you. Um, but of course, there's, I suppose, that opportunity that this England team and across all three formats could do something, you know, really special across this year. But it, it is hard to, to try and focus on what's what's on at the end of the year when you've got such a big winter for us here in terms of some subcontinent tours, uh, followed up by a big English summer. You know, it, it's, it is really hard to look that far ahead and you almost don't want to, although you do need to kind of start preparing. I think that's up for the management and, and those guys to prepare, you know, more so for that side of things rather than the players. We have to focus on what's here and now and, and try and win these series in what's in front of us because that'll give us good confidence and momentum to go through the year with. And I was reading last week that Curtly Ambrose had, had applied to be the fast bowling coach with England. And I appreciate you can't talk about that case in point. But with the likes of him showing interest, Jacques around the camp now in Sri Lanka, what does it tell you about this England side that there are legends of the game wanting to work with you guys? Yeah, I mean, that's brilliant. I think it shows that we've got such an exciting group of, of players, um, not just in the squads, but in depth as well. I think people see English cricket as a, or the teams and squads as an exciting group to work with, um, you know, which is a real compliment to us as, as a team. Uh, and also to the management and staff as well, um, that we're getting the likes of those guys. Like you say, those legends of the game, um, you know, even interested in working with us, which is great. I mean, to have uh, Callis here with us um, is just brilliant. You know, I, I'm certainly, you know, in, in awe of him. I actually worked with him at IPL uh, KKR 2017, and, you know, it was fantastic to, to pick his brains there. And obviously to be able to continue that here in, in conditions which, are very foreign to us, um, you know, for him to, to share his wealth of knowledge um, is just fantastic. So, um, yeah, it's really exciting for us as a team. And uh, as I said, I think it's a big compliment to us as well. And just finally from me, what are you expecting from Sri Lanka in this series, obviously coming off those two tests against South Africa? Um, I think it's hard to read into what's happened to them um, in South Africa. Obviously, it's a two-match series. You know, very different conditions. They're very good in their own, own conditions, as most teams are. Um, but in particular, for you know, for, for us as an English side coming to the subcontinent, it's always a tricky experience. You know, it's a very different style of cricket. You have to be to be ready to play. Um, you have to play the long game. You face a lot of spin. Um, you're facing the, the, the conditions in terms of the heat. So it's always going to be a tough test. You know, the, the, the Sri Lankans will be, or from what I've seen. Uh, you know, people kind of say, well, they've just got, got beat by, by South Africa, but in their own conditions, 
they're always going to be tricky to, to play against. So um, we'll have to be on the top of our game. We'll have to adapt to conditions. Uh, we're excited by the challenge as well. England's Chris Wokes uh, speaking with TalkSports' uh, Scott Taylor there. Uh, so good news for Chris Wokes. He's out of isolation. Not so good news for Moeen Ali, who uh, it was reported today, still continuing to show symptoms of COVID. So uh, unfortunately, his isolation stroke quarantine will continue. And, you know, he's definitely ruled out the first test. It's looking uh, very, very unlikely he's going to play any part in this series, Harmy. That's, uh, that's a big blow. Massive blow. It's a huge blow for Mo, and I'm absolutely devastated for the lad because he's got himself in a position to play a test match cricket again. He's got his head where where he needs to be. You know, this this is going to be a big series for Mo, and it's going to be a perfect series for Mo. No Ben Stokes, so Mo was going to be the all rounder, the one that linked the, the batting and the bowling unit. Remember the last time he went to Sri Lanka, he batted at number, I think he batted at number three in the first test, went further down the second test. The whole thing was revolved around Moen and that for me was the way we were going to get Moen back into loving test cricket because Moen this is this is we're revolving around you you're going to bat at number five number six you're a frontline batsman you're going to bowl a lot of overs because we're in Sri Lanka and a subcontinent and this was going to get Moen back in so unfortunately for Mo he's probably going to miss both test matches now that's him gone for the for the series and then where do England see Moen moving forward into the the India conundrum, that would be huge. That'd be a huge call for England to bring him back and for Moen if they bring him back for that first test match going. I can, I, I still stand by the fact that now Sam Curran is the man that's going to link everything. I think he might play both both games and England go with the two, two out and out spinners in off spin and left arm spin and leech. You'll have Curran batting at number seven, probably behind Josh Butler. And then you'll have two seamers in both games. And it wouldn't surprise me if it's potentially Wokes and Broad in the second test match and, and Wood and Anderson in the first test match. And I think that will be England's, I would imagine that's the England's thought processes so far. Interesting point about Curly Ambrose throwed his hat in the mix in terms yeah. of a you know, bowling coach. You know, as a, you know, you play a lot of cricket. How receptive were you as a, as an international, I mean, I'm looking at that bowling lineup and I'm thinking, you know, what what now can anybody tell Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson, really? Um, were you more receptive to what bowling coach or coaching um, at the start of your career rather than at the end? Or is it actually the reverse true? It's a hard one because I see all these names coming and it's it seems to be the in thing to bring these great players into a, into a dressing room. Yes, good mentors good guys to bring into if you're struggling technically not the right people to bring in but if you're if you're struggling technically you probably shouldn't be playing international cricket there was one guy who and that pains me to say it I really I, I struggled when he came in the dressing room as a, as a bowling coach and I love the bloke I think he's a fantastic man wonderful cricket one of my heroes growing up and that was Alan Donald when he came into the England side I was struggling a little bit from a, a technical point of view I needed I needed tech, technical help rather than than anything else, England had a lot of injuries at the time, so I had to continuously play. I was a senior player. It was after the the, the Ashes 2005. You know, I was a mainstay on the England side, and I was losing, you know, the, the, losing the ball off my wrist, and it was going down leg side lock. And I was one game, especially at Old Trafford, and I, I, talking to Alan Donald, and he just talked about experiences, and I, and I didn't need, I didn't need experiences. I needed I needed somebody to to sort of help me technically to get rid of this. Why am I falling over? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing that? And in the end, I fell out with Duncan Fletcher because I, I asked for 
over Kevin Shine's opinion, who had just come into the, the dressing room. I asked to speak to Angus Ferreira and Michael Holden, who were commentators. And I said to, I, I, I remember sitting in Old Trafford lunchroom just talking to them, and Fletch was a massive thing against the media, huge against the media. And he, he, he said to me afterwards, what are you doing? You know, why are you talking to them? And I'm like, I'm just looking for some help. They've got the best seat in the house. The press box is the best seat in the house. Mike is one of the best bowlers of all time. Gus is one of England's, you know, all, you know, all-time great bowlers. They're good guys. I'm just, I'm struggling a little bit. I want to. You've got Kevin Shine. You've got a bowling coach. Fletcher, had a, he, he wasn't happy with it. So it can work both ways. You know, it depends on the individual. You can't just throw a big name in there and say, right, because he's got 350, 400 Test wickets, he is going to make your bowling attack better. He's not. He's not. You know, definitely not. Goffey, for me, would be the best bowling, bowling coach in international cricket because you become a cheerleader, you become a psychologist, you try and help somebody through it. If they become technically problems, then you know, then, then there's an issue there. That's where Cooley was brilliant. That's where Gibson was brilliant. So it would be fantastic to have Callis talking about playing spin. But at the end of the day, you can't go out and bat for Dan Lawrence. You can't go out and bat for you know, Josh Butler in the middle there. You can give them a little bit of snippets, but you can't go out and do it. So... Sometimes the great players don't always make the great coaches, and I'm sure that's not just in cricket. I think that's in all sports. But bear in mind, Kirtley Amber is going to go and talk to Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad. It's it's going to be a difficult one, especially when Kirtley doesn't speak the greatest. He's not the greatest communicator when it comes to you know to English and stuff like that. So I'm I'm a bit sceptical on that one. If we could get Goffey, great. If they couldn't get Goffey, then you know there's there's I think there's other people in the system who would be better suited. Than, uh, than Curtly Ambrose, and that's just my honest opinion. Well, that's what we get, that's what we ask for, uh, and that's why, uh, why I love working with you, to be honest with you. Uh, fascinating insight, and you're going to hear plenty more of that uh, over the next couple of months. Steve Harmson will, of course, be part of England and uh, India, or India versus England, uh, our coverage, uh, which does begin in February. Um, before that, though, there is a two-test tour of Sri Lanka, which gets underway on Thursday morning. We're going to be joined very shortly by ESPN Quick Info's Andrew Fernando. But before all that, we need to talk about India, Australia against India. So many talking points. Jared Kimbo joining us very shortly on the Cricket Collective. He's really disappointed with the way it's come across. I mean, if, you, if you've watched Steve Smith play Test cricket, that's something that he does every single game five or six times a day. He's going onto the pitch and trying to make it worse for the spinners to ball onto a length. And then he's rubbing out the markers the batsman have put on to where he puts his bat. So it's plain cheating. You've got to keep an eye on this. Australia, get your act together and get your act together right now because it's embarrassing. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 and myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison and our old mate, uh, Jared Kimber who's back living in a, a normal time zone. Um, a little bit of sleep after uh, watching all f- five days of the SCG test. First off, mate, wow. I mean, that was ridiculous. Um, we always go on about ashes. And yes, England and South Africa do serve up some pretty tasty uh, series. But when it comes to the pinnacle of drama, good and bad, um, Australia, India over the last 20 years has just been where it's at. Yeah, their ability to annoy each other as nations, as teams, as fan bases is uh, is incredible. I, I don't know how much time either of you spend on Reddit, but there's a you know Reddit's a, obviously a fairly major sort of online forum, and it has a cricket section. 
and these guys are used to arguing with each other about India and Australia, but it just, it, it always goes to another level. Remember at about, so it must've been what, 5.30 in the morning, just having this guy um, on Twitter saying to me, I've always respected you as a journalist. I cannot believe you are not writing a huge article about what Steve Smith has done. I'm like, <laughs> he, scra- he scratched the crease. Like, I don't think he should have done it. And it's potentially, he might get fined for it because get out of there. You don't need to be involved with it. And it's a stupid, if he did it on purpose, then it's, a, you know, it's a it's a callous and idiotic thing to do. And if he did it by accident, then he should still be fine because he shouldn't be involved with it. But realistically, it's like, I made a movie about uh, corruption in cricket, mate. I'm not about to talk about Steve Smith's spike. Come on. But that that's that's the world that India, Australia almost always is involved with. So you uh, think, it, I, like me, I think it's been blown out of proportion. Uh, look, I don't think he should have done it. I, I, if the next day, let's, let's say he didn't go out on Twitter, right? The next day... Um, David Boone said he got a 5% fine for getting involved with the crease and, and marking the crease. I would have been like, that's fair. And if the next day David Boone said, we've given him a warning and we've told him not to do it again, I would have been like, that's fair. But realistically, it's just like, I, I can't, I can't, there's, there's so much to, to think about in this series. We literally had a proper racism, uh, you know, uh, well, maybe two racist um, incidents involved in this ground. We've got Indian blokes uh, who were playing with, with bad backs and, broken arms and one was going to bat with a broken thumb uh we've got tim Payne's behavior we've got the fact it was a great last day i just don't think steve smith marking out an area on the ground that was already marked is uh is going to change my life that much i could be wrong no i'm 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 with you i don't know about what what you think john but from somebody who's played the game what i seen on that on that last day at the scg were the two contentious talking points in steve smith what he did and what tim Payne did or what Tim Penn said, and Ashwin come back to. I thought that was brilliant. That I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> Ashwin's got the better of them and a bit of bantering. Tim Penn done what a lot of Australians do when they get backed into a corner. They come out lashing out and a, a little bit of a petulant personal gripe at uh, at the other, the other the other person. So, look, I've seen Joe Root do it quite a bit. I've seen a lot of cricketers do what Steve Smith done as they walk by the crease, they visualise the player full shot. And it's like a natural instinct to mark your crease. It's a natural instinct. So I actually thought it was blown out of, of all proportion. Like you say, there's a lot of other talking points in there. I just thought when the whole thing was going on, it was getting away from the fact that this series has been a massive, it's been a, a huge series for the world of cricket. All the eyes of the world because COVID and everybody's at home watching this series. We're talking about the wrong things and sending the wrong messages to a lot of young kids and like little petulant things that we don't need in the game. And it's going to be interesting to see what the, the outcome of it, what Australia do with Tim Payne. Because although what Tim Payne said to Ashwin was, my job's on the line here. I'm under pressure. And he's come out and said something that he, he didn't need. I don't think he would have said it a year ago. I don't even think he would have said it six months ago. But I think this guy's job's on the line. And I think he's realising that. And I think that's why he said what he said. Yeah, I mean, I was going to bring up the pressure angle as well, Jared. I think it is actually what we saw from Tim Payne. I think he did pretty much the same thing a couple of years ago. That I've got more friends than you line. He he said to Rohit Sharma about Virat Kohli. You know, we've kind of been here. I think that's partly it. We're like, oh, well, we thought that was kind of spontaneous humour, Tim. You were held up as this bastion of forward-thinking, free-flowing, you know, uh, ad-lib com- comedy. Oh, it's just part of your routine now. We're, we're bored of it. Um, I think the problem people have is uh, with the Australia-India clashes, or in, we get so het up about it, don't we? Aussies got het up about Stuart Broad not walking. 
Indians getting head up about Steve Smith doing whatever he was doing. I think essentially if Steve Smith went meant to do it, it's bullying. That's how it seems. And cricket is unique in so far that it's 11 men against two. And it's not a fair fight. And I think if you're not and haven't played the game, it just grates. Whether that's excessive appealing, whether that's dropping a ball on A.B. de Villiers' head after he's been run out, whether that's all the things that England do, that Australia do, that India do. But when you do it, then the opposing fans get annoyed about it. So I could kind of understand that. The other thing is, if Steve Smith has been doing this all of his career, which a lot of people say, and I'm not disagreeing, well, I look forward to seeing the footage because it must be out there. Let's talk about Tim Payne, though. Tim Payne is an extremely interesting guy to me. After that first test match, he scored 70 yards. He batted quite well, but was dropped a couple of times. And suddenly, I'm seeing stats everywhere that he's got the second highest test batting average after Adam Gilchrist. Held up as a potential Australian of the year. The man who turned the Australian side around in two years. The man that we're all supposed to be looking up to. Two tests later, suddenly, he is a, insert the Australian term, bloke. Isn't the truth somewhere in between? This is a guy that is a limited batsman. His wicket-keeping is nowhere where it was 10 years ago. He consistently makes the wrong decisions with DRS. He struggles to lead the side. And as Harmy said, Jared, the guy is going to be judged on this series and if he gets a go at the Ashes. And he is buckling under the pressure. Yeah, he's... Do you know what? I, I wrote a piece in about... 2012 where I said so he had he played in a T20 game which was like it was the uh, uh, Australian Cricket Union versus I don't know the uh, Australian team it was like a really random game and Dirk Nannis uh, smashed his finger into his bat I reckon if that doesn't happen he probably becomes captain maybe even ahead of Michael Clark he was that respected and that good a batsman from that point forward he's never been as good a batsman again uh, and he obviously, he, he's keeping struggle for a long time. His finger was meshed into the bat. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, Dirk Nannis was seriously <laughs> fast ball. At one stage, he was probably the fastest bowler in the world. So, and that was around that period that Dirk hit him. So that, that completely, and then he goes on the back burners and he becomes a very normal level headed person, I think, because he had to go off and get a real job and real life and do all the sorts of things that most professional cricketers never have to. The, the fact that he has lashed out twice, you talked about it being his comedy bit before, but the fact that he, like, everyone talks about what a great bloke Tim Payne is, and we've got, I've got a lot of friends in common with him, but I, I don't know him personally. But there's a certain point where how, how great a person is he if he has to go around telling everyone else that he has more friends <laughs> than everyone else? So the, instantly I think about that. When you, talk about his wicket, uh, when you talk about his batting and him having the second best batting average of any wicketkeeper in history, yeah, that's because Australia used to have wicketkeepers who averaged 11. Like, Australia was all about specialist wicketkeepers up until really Rod Marsh um, in, in the 1980s, right? And Brad Haddon probably underperformed as a test match player. He, he was certainly, Brad Haddon was certainly a better batsman than Tim Payne. Tim Payne hasn't made a test 100. Brad Haddon made a lot of them. He's always been under pressure from the moment he came in. Firstly, he, he had to rebuild this team and say whatever you want about Justin Langer. Justin Langer was... <laughs> was not exactly uh, the cleanest player in the world. There's footage of Justin Langer knocking a bail off and allowing the Australians to to appeal. Uh, Brad Haddon then came into the coaching setup as well. Brad Haddon once took the bails off with his gloves, pretended he didn't, and let a New Zealand batsman uh, get bold. Tim Payne comes into that society, into that environment and has to be the clean person. And he's not a perfect person. I think we could tell that from the stump mic stuff. I mean, he's bullying Manus as well, as much as he's been uh, sledging Ravi Ashwin. Every time that, it, it was incredible to hear him sledging Ravi Ashwin because it's been Manus Labashain every other time he's been having a go at. 
and he is a limited player. He is definitely a limited player. Uh, we know that he is not a great player. We know he is not a finished article. And he's also not a brilliant captain. Uh, he's a good leader, I think. And his players certainly love him. But, you know, that's one half of captaincy. And the other half of captaincy is tactical. And he's quite a basic tactician. When you get him in these big series, he's going to struggle a little bit more, I think, because it, the difference between him and perhaps someone like Steve Smith or Michael Clark or Ricky Ponting and those sort of guys that came before him is by the time they had been, by the time they became test captains, they had been through the absolute ringer of tabloid journalism, of being raked over the coal, of, you know, Ricky Ponting, you know, got knocked out in a Sydney bar and Michael Clark had the celebrity girlfriend. Uh, even Steve Smith had at least had, you know, he, he had headlines saying he was the worst batsman ever to be picked for Australia, all that sort of stuff. Tim Payne, no one even noticed him. And suddenly he was captain of a team that was falling apart. I think that, you know, obviously he's going to struggle with that in a way that perhaps other cricketers would not have. These big series, everything becomes an issue. We've talked about, you know, what has happened with Steve Smith. But all these little things, every time India, Australia play each other, and India, sorry, England, Australia is very similar as well. And India, England is very similar. Every little thing, every thread gets pulled at. And you get them over and over again. And I think Payne is just struggling with the pressure of having to deal with that. And when you, you talk about, I think that's that's the spawn. I think it is all down to to the pressure. And but part of me, having been on the field so many times, and you know coming off the field and watching what's been happening and listening to the stump mics getting louder and louder, that gets on my nerves. That really grates on me and annoys me because. If you want to have the Freddie Flintoff, Mind the Windows, Tino laugh every time something funny happens, there are times where things things are said that aren't funny. We are, you know, we're not we're not robots. I've said this millions of times. We're not robots. We're human beings with feelings mm. and emotions, and it means something. And if things are getting on top of you and the pressure is coming on you, the last thing you want is to have to worry about what you're going to say because the stump mic's on. If you've got something to say, you say it. That's what men do. Men do when they play sport. They do say things. They do have a go. You know, can you imagine what it would be like in football if a referee had a microphone in it so everybody could hear what's going on? There's some, some things for me in the game of in the game in the sporting arena should not be heard. And I think this is this is one of them. You know, somebody going toe to toe, back and forward. That's not a problem. You can see the pressure's got to Tim Payne. Now, my, my question to Jared is now, with all the Steve Smith stuff and the, the, the Tim Payne on top of it, has Steve Smith just put himself out the shop, shop window for captaincy after Brisbane? Because the way Tim Payne's going, he's got Brisbane, full test match, potentially is that it for him to balance this side to get them ready for Australia, to then bring a top-order batsman in, weird at seven, Steve Smith captain, all of a sudden... You know, that's a stronger unit from an Australian team perspective. Has Steve Smith's scratching of the surface just put that on the back burner a bit? I don't think right at the moment they could drop uh, pain. And it's there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that uh, Wade hasn't wicket kept for a long time and probably doesn't want to wicket keep again. He only got picked back for Australia because he gave up the gloves and started batting. So my guess is that they're not going to go back to that. And there isn't a viable alternative, I think, that... Australia is happy with uh, when it comes to wicket keepers out there, unless they take an absolute flyer on uh, Josh Felipe or um, Alex Carey, um, who's not a great first-class player, comes in. So I think Payne gets another series. Where they go from here, though, is very interesting because their best, when you look at the team, they probably can't give it to Warner. 
right? That's gone. He ain't he ain't get a hit. Uh, Smith is probably still in that 50-50 spot, as you've said. Marnus is the only batsman who is 100% going to be there for the next little while. And we just listened to hours yeah. on end of the Australian players uh, bullying him. He is not ready to be a captain. And so, you know, the other person that has been talked about is Pat Cummins, who, to be honest, from an intelligence point of view and from a skill point of view, there's absolutely no reason why he can't be a captain. But as you know, um, Harmy, uh, fast bowlers are not allowed to be captains. Uh, and there is an unwritten rule there. Plus, you know, he's had a great injury run, but that won't last forever, as, as we know from when he was younger. So uh, realistically, I think Payne has to get at least one or two more series, but they don't have another option. I, I just don't, I don't see one out there other than going back to Steve Smith. So I think you're right. Eventually it's going to be Smith. But the question really is, when do they do that? Because I think it's going to put a lot of pressure back on Smith. And I think we've seen under pressure, Steve Smith usually pushes the line a little bit too much more. Now we know that he's going to be under more pressure if he comes back as captain than he has ever been under before. It's a huge question for Australian cricket going forward. And there is no obvious answer to it. Brilliant stuff. Uh, Jared, uh, we'll let you go. But there is one other thing that makes it, in my mind at least, very unlikely that Steve Smith will come in for Tim Payne. Australia's next series, away in South Africa. And there's no (laughs) way whatsoever that Steve Smith will be brought back as captain for that series. Um, But you cannot tell me that the Aussies don't want him captaining for the Ashes at the end of the year. So it's going to be very, very uh, interesting to see how uh, how they deal with that situation. Jared, brilliant stuff. Uh, that's Jared Kimback. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmison. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket 
today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan. is really tight. Yes, it's out. It is out. Rangan Herath run out by Ben Stokes's throw and Ben Stokes's completion of the moment. And that means that Ben Stokes in his first test match, who made that superb hundred, who's kept wicket so tidily, has executed the final act of the match. What a performance. Well, the memories are flooding back, listening back to some of the highlights from the live England in Sri Lanka. What a different world that was. Sat atop the uh, the media centre in Gaul, uh, essentially in tent with about 50 grams worth of equipment. I was fearing it was either going to get uh, hit by lightning, blown away in the torrential wind, or, uh, or we were going to be flooded out. The sound guy... Uh, who worked alongside us was having absolute kit, and so was I. Absolute the, the stress in the build up to that first test match in Gaul, quite unlike anything I've ever experienced. Um, but you can hear a bit more about that if you listen to the uh, to the watch along. Myself, Gareth Batty, and Sam Elard looking back at England's tour of Sri Lanka in 2018-19. You can listen to that on the following on podcast. For now, as part of Cricket Collective, I'm delighted to say um, a familiar voice and face because it's a Zoom world we now live in. Um, Andrew Fidel Fernando, who was part and parcel of uh, TalkSport 2's coverage of Sri Lanka a couple of years ago, joins myself and Steve Harmison now. Fidel, what a different world we live in. First question, looking ahead to the start of the uh, of the series. You know, if Sri Lanka were playing India right now, you'd struggle to get a team. You'd struggle to get a game. India, they've lost about eight members of their first 11. Sri Lanka, we just saw in South Africa. In a similar situation, what kind of team are England going to be even seeing uh, when that first test gets underway? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was it was pretty dire in South Africa. I think uh, everyone just kind of fell off, fell in a heap. They hadn't played um, first class cricket for six months. They hadn't played any test cricket for you know eight or nine months, uh, and it was it was it was a really strange kind of series because Sri Lanka were actually kind of on top early in that first match and while they were still kind of controlling or at least competing in the game, they lost a whole bunch of players. And then you could see 2-0 while the scoreline was kind of still in their favour. And that's kind of how it turned out. You know, it ended up being 2-0 because Sri Lanka struggled to get players on the field. Good news is that uh, a lot of those players have recovered. So Angelo Matthews is, uh, is back in. He'll probably be take up kind of residence in the number five, number four slot. Uh, Dinesh Chandimal looks like he's going to play as well. Um, they've lost Damanje de Silva, who's kind of like a key all-rounder who provides uh, who provides um, balance to the team. So that's that's a bit unfortunate. But other than that, you know, enough players have recovered that I think Sri Lanka will put up what, if not quite their best eleven, then then not something too far off. And Andrew, what sort of surfaces are we gonna gonna see out in in Sri Lanka? Because England prepared, seeing the, the the what little preparation England have had from over here, we've seen. Off the, off the ECB website, we've seen a green, green, green pitch, a green tinge to the pitch. Um, a few comments by the players saying, "Not to, you know, it's not typical that Sri Lanka would do this, and then we'll get this, this raging Bunsen." But are Sri Lanka spinners as good as they were, possibly two, three, four years ago? Or could England end up having to play three spinners on a surface which they normally do when they go to Sri Lanka, or 
has the sort of Schlenken Premier League found a couple of seamers who can bowl up 145 and get the ball through, which makes Schlenken think, you know what, we might take England on something which has got a bit of pace and a bit of carry in it. Well, I mean, it's an interesting question, but we've got to keep into uh, we've got to keep in mind that it's that both matches are a goal, and goals kind of reputation is kind of a spin bowling paradise. Uh, I've seen it, I've seen it flat, and I've seen it be an absolute, um, you know, like dust bowl, uh, fast spin, wickets falling, you know, seven wickets falling in a session, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think. The way they will go, um, and in, interesting that you mentioned that the fact that they got a, a seamer in in Hamantota for their warm up. I don't think that they will get anything like that at um, at goal. I think there's some of the players. I think hinted at the fact that maybe they gave us a seamer to kind of misdirect us before they take us to this um, to this absolute um, raging turner. Uh, and I think there may be some truth to that. They certainly wouldn't be the first team to have had that experience on tour. And Gaul now having to, to host back-to-back tests might be, I mean, what we might get, my suspicion is that we might get a slightly flatter but still spin-friendly, but maybe not a raging Bunsen on the first three days kind of pitch for the first test. Partly because Sri Lanka coming back from South Africa as well, the last test they played with the Wanderers, that only finished, you know, just a little over a week ago. So they don't want their own batsmen to be coming back from the Wanderers and then suddenly facing... Um, you know, bowlers turning it square at goal. So I, I suspect they will go with kind of like a, a slightly more even surface uh, for the first test, maybe something a little bit flatter for the first couple of days. And then depending on how England go uh, in their own playing of spin in that first test, uh, they'll probably make the second one a little drier or a lot drier. If England look like they're struggling against spin, uh, it might turn out to be a lot drier than you know they'd originally intended. So that is how I see it, it, it panning out. Uh, it's very rare that you get seamers being uh, a substantial force in a, you know, Dale Stain did it once, uh, won, a, won, a, won a game of his off his bowling in goal in 2014, but we haven't really seen seamers be that successful since. Well, rewind back two years ago, just as England were going out to, to Sri Lanka, there was a lot of um, upheaval in Sri Lankan cricket. There was a Al Jazeera program. Was Matthews going to play? You know the match. Fit, all the all the stuff that went with that. Over just over two years ago, where's Sri Lankan cricket now in relation to that? And moving forward, there was a lot of changes in that Sri Lankan side. There has been a Premier League, so there has been some influx of different players coming in to be to be seen the big stage. Where's uh, Sri Lankan cricket at this moment in time? Um, I, th- I think it's in a better place. I think uh, you're right. When uh, when England were last touring here, you know, Sanad Jaisuria's um, suspension kind of news came through, uh, and uh, there were yeah the Al Jazeera program, which was kind of centered around that goal surface and uh, someone who used to work at, at the stadium. Um, I think I think it's the, you know it's more stable now. Um, I'm you know we also haven't had cricket for for such a long time, right? I mean I think almost all the way through uh, from March to about um, November, Sri Lanka didn't really have any cricket at home um, and the LPL kind of, you know, started things off again. I don't think, I, I think also it's important to, 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 to know that it's the same group of players that lost 3-0 to England last time that are playing now. So they'll, they'll come to this series with kind of having that experience, having grown a little bit. I think there are, there are several players on that, um, in that list that you can say, okay, that player is a better player now than they were. 
so I think it's it's an improved team. Um, I think it, there's a little bit more stability, um, but what they don't have is kind of form going into the series. Where do where does Sri Lanka see see England at this moment in time and the group of players that England are bringing over? Hence the you know, the the resting of Ben Stokes and Jofra Archer. No real warm up going in. The Sri Lanka do they think it's a bit disrespectful to shrinking cricket or does Lanka see this as right we can get one up we can be we can beat one of the top nations here um and really really put a sort of stamp on world cricket yeah um i i don't think that they'll see it as disrespectful i i think they'll be glad that stokes is is not on that uh not on uh, not in that squad uh partly because you know stokes actually did reasonably well last time i think he you know uh, along with adil rashid helped uh bold bold you know, a, a fantastic spell in that Colombo Test match that changed the outlook of that game, um, and they'll be very happy not to not to be able to play him, and they'll they'll see it as an opportunity for sure. What they think of England, I think there are a lot of unknowns with this England team as well, um, and uh, a lot of you know someone like Dan Lawrence coming in, they won't know a lot about him. So I don't think they will see England as this kind of daunting prospect that you know, despite the three 0 last time. I don't think they will, you know, be really carrying too much mental baggage into this series. I don't think that they'll. I think they'll see themselves as a team with having an equal chance, and I think that's probably fair. I don't think there's. A, if I had to pick a favorite, it's really tough because both teams have substantial flaws, uh, and we also, you know, there is so much kind of uncertainty with the uh, the preparation for this tour, which you know had to be, um, uh, which is so unusual because of uh, COVID nineteen. That um, I'm, I'm, you know, really um, not able to pick, you know, who is who is the better looking team going in, and I think a lot of the Sri Lankan players will think the same. One of the uh, points of interest in that South Africa series was it came on day one. I was following the action, listening to SABC. Sri Lanka lost a couple of wickets early, three wickets early, but they were really going at South Africa, weren't they? They were going at uh, four and over despite losing wickets. Was that is that pre was that pre planned? Is that is that how Mickey Arthur's telling them to play? And if so, is that how you expect them to play against England? Yeah, I mean a couple of things. I think they did bet quickly in that test. Uh, South Africa did too. I think it was just the kind of surface where um, player batsmen just think, "Let's get some runs before the good one gets me out." Um, and I think a lot of I mean we uh, a lot of that translates that attitude translates to playing cricket in Sri Lanka as well. Uh, where we haven't had had a draw in the country since 2014. Um, I think we're coming up on on something like 30 tests without a draw in Sri Lanka. Uh, so th there are these are all result pitches, um, or they have been in the last six years. So that generally has been Sri Lanka's attitude playing at home is that okay, you get settled in, you you spend a little bit of time at the crease, get your you know get used to the the pace of the surface and the bounce, but then once you're in don't you know don't miss out on runs that are in you know when the ball's in your zone try and try and nudge those ones and twos keep the strike rotating if you see what you think is a loose ball make sure you punish it like those are those that's the way most batsmen i think there'll be there are one or two like such as um you know uh dinesh chandimal who kind of favors a more uh more um conservative approach let's say but largely the the batsmen in that top order uh, a one one you know naturally aggressive and B tend to tend to play that way in tests because that's given them the best results. And if we see you know uh, if we see kind of square turners, 
I expect that batsmen aren't going to go into their bunker and and weather it out. They're going to they're going to play their shots and 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 get some runs before while they can. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two. Myself, John Norman, Andrew Fernando, and also Steve Harmison. Here's uh, Jack Leach to bowl to uh, Bakamara. And is that it? Is that it? Is he chipped it straight back? Or is it a bump ball? The umpires are coming together to talk. Well, we're about to see the signal made, and you're about to hear the word out. The news from Palakali is that Joe Root's team have beaten Sri Lanka by 57 runs. They've taken the series 2 0 with one to play, and they've done it in some style. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two with myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, and uh, Fidel Fernando from uh, Crick Info, ESPN Crick Info, who will be covering the series for them in Sri Lanka. Uh, Fidel, I-, I was going through some of the old scorecards from a couple of years ago for a show we did, looking back at that Test tour, um, and a couple of names sprung out of me, and I thought I haven't really heard too much about them um, since actually. Lakshan Sandakan, and also. Um, Akia Danajaya. Tell us a little bit about where they are, because I see that Sandakan hasn't played a test since. And of course, Danajaya was called for uh, for throwing, but seems to have uh, seems to have sorted it out because he was playing for the, in the Lankan Premier League. Yeah, um, I'll start with Dananjaya first. Yeah, Dananjaya was um, in that England series. I think it was the third test or the second test where he was he was reported for um, a suspect action. I think he, he has a, a bunch of variations, but his stock ball is the off-break. And some of his off-breaks were breaching that 15-degree. Not all of them. Some of them were breaching that 15-degree. He's one of those bowlers who, you know, I'd never really had con- um, concerns about. But then I guess the umpire is watching from closer up, um, particularly when he's bowling at left arm. Left-handers from around the wicket seem to, seem to have issues with his off-break. Uh, and then he, he seemed to have sorted it out and then came back and got called and got suspended again, which is an automatic 12-month suspension. So he's just come back from that. Um, he's had another test since. And so he's been cleared to bowl again in international cricket, but he's not part of the Sri Lanka test setup at the moment um, because he's spent so much time out of the, out of the game. Uh, Lakshan Sandaken, um, he's been in the, the one-day and T20 setups. Uh, he's in the squad again. We may see him in this series. I mean, there is, there is a chance that we'll see him. I think he probably won't be the, the first port of call that they go to. I think they'll, in the first set, they'll probably play one in the Hasaranga, the leg spinner, Lassa Tambuldenia, the left arm spinner, both of whom have come on uh, since that England tour. They've both kind of developed and been found since then. Uh, and then Dilran Pereira, who, who did play in that England tour. Uh, so it's, a, it's kind of a, a new challenge for England. There's, there's a few newer, um, newer spinners around uh, Sri Lankan cricket. Um, but yeah, those um, it's it's a shame because Dan Anjou, I think, did did actually do reasonably well in, in that England series. And what sort of conditions are we going to have? Are we going to have you know what's the weather like uh, at this moment in time? Is it going to be the usual thirty odd, forty degrees? And not being able to I remember the last time I was in goal, I played the first Test match after the tsunami, and I think after about five overs, I couldn't I couldn't breathe, and that was before I even bowled. Um, and then I think remember. Sangakara. I remember Kumar top edging one. I think he was on 49 top edging one to, to Monty Panasar. And I was praying and hoping that Monty would catch it. Bear in mind, he just dropped one the over before. And I was thinking, if he drops this, after dropping 
Uh, Jai Wardner on 100, he got 198 the test match before. I'm thinking in this heat, in this weather, if he drops Kumar now, I'm going home. I'm walking off. I've had enough. I'm going home. So, what sort of what sort of weather? Better than mind England. They've just come from two or three degrees in the northeast of England. What sort of weather they're going to get when they get to weather? Well, obviously, they get to goal and 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 have the ten days of, of test match cricket. Yeah. I mean, uh, in terms of temperature, by Sri Lankan standards, January is kind of relatively pleasant. Uh, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't get up to 30 that often. The humidity is on the lower side. Um, it's not, it's not the, definitely not the worst time of year to be touring. In fact, I would say it's, it's the best time of year to be touring. Generally, it's pretty dry at this time of year, but as soon as cricket teams show up, it starts raining. And it's, it's, been, not, it's been the exact same case. I mean... We can sometimes you go through an entire month of January without seeing any rain in, in this part of the island, but it's been raining reasonably consistently since then. And uh, so there'll be, a, there'll be a little bit of rain around. I think England would be much more comfortable um, touring here in January. And the, sorry, I was going to say, and, and the, the people of Sri Lanka, how, how important is it that, that England, England have come? I'm going to miss the Barmy Army, not going to have the, the, the tourists of, of the Barmy Army there, but. It's important that sport carries on and during this tough time that England have come. How important is that for the Sri Lankan people? Uh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's so great to have a distraction such as, such as Test Cricket, kind of like a, a shred of normalcy as well, to, to be able to turn up on the TV and see cricket being played, uh, to have a touring team come and play at goal, to have you know, the men around the bat and the, uh, and the, and the wicket keeper you know, uh, chirping away and all that kind of stuff is... Um, it just makes everybody feel a, a little bit more normal, relaxes everybody. Um, I, I'm sure it'll be a massively, massively followed series at home. And I think from a financial perspective, it was really, it was really vital for SLC to have England come because it's one of the test tours where they do make a lot of money. Uh, and they were, they were almost, you know, they were at one stage considering not going to South Africa because they didn't want any of their players coming back with COVID and jeopardizing the England series. That's how seriously they cared about the England series. Um, thankfully, that didn't happen and they were able to go to South Africa. But, um, but it is, I think, from both a fan's and administrator's perspective, a, a vital tour. In terms of COVID and in terms of the financial aspect of the, of the game, uh, of course, this is an important series. But Sri Lanka have played very little cricket, haven't they, in Sri Lanka over the last 12 months or so. How's it looking for 2021? Yeah, I think they've got uh, they've got a pretty packed schedule. It looks like I think after this series they've got um, they're due to head out to the West Indies. That hasn't been confirmed, but the West Indies being reasonably unaffected or less affected than than much of the rest of the planet, um, that should happen as um, as is scheduled. Uh, they also are hoping to reschedule some of the some of the postponed tours. So I think South Africa possibly will will visit Sri Lanka in the middle of the year. Uh, India might come for a, for a limited overs match. Uh, thankfully, Sri Lanka, although there are outbreaks in, in parts of the country, we're talking still kind of numbers in the, in the hundreds in terms of people with um, uh, infected people being, being found rather than, you know, numbers in the thousands or tens of thousands, which is the case in, in some other places. I think the death toll in Sri Lanka is, for, for COVID-19 is still under 250. So, um, so that... That I mean, that probably puts into perspective, you know, the kind of the scale of the outbreak here is is not as um, as massive, and so hopefully we will get to see uh, a full a full year of cricket for the you know the Sri Lanka team. And a prediction on on what you expect to happen in this series, England, uh, you know, a marquee team 
not had any preparation going into it. Schranke have had very little cricket, but had you know in the last two weeks had game against uh, against South Africa. What do you expect that that we're going to see from from the two t- uh, from this series? Yeah, I mean, if I had to, if you're going to, my thing is, uh, it's really unpredictable. There are so many uncertainties surrounding this. If I had to put kind of, if I had to plot a path for this, the way the series would go, I think England possibly uh, will feel more comfortable in the first test. Uh, and then maybe Sri Lanka would win the second one. I'm, I'm going to go with a one, one all just because we don't get draws in Sri Lanka anymore. And I think the teams are really, really evenly matched going into it. And so um, a one-all in, you know, with, with draws not being really a factor uh, would seem to be the, the obvious choice to go for. Brilliant stuff. Fidel, really appreciate your time. Such a shame that, um, you know, I can't be watching you getting uh, your birthday cake in front of uh, the great and the good. Of, uh, of <laughs> what a night. We'll always have that night, though, John. What a night that was. Your face was an absolute picture. Um, but, mate, look, you're one of my favorite writers out there so i'm very much looking forward to, so uh, much. to reading your stuff over the next couple of weeks uh, and you can too here's been quick info and just check out andrew fernando uh, go well mate we'll chat soon no doubt um harmy uh, that pretty much brings us uh, to the end of this week's show you've been listening to the cricket collective uh, you can follow all the action over on talk sport and talk sport too i'll be reporting from the bunker from 4.30 in the morning uh, every day from 4.30 and myself and Harmi have got some very exciting news for you as well uh, which we'll be bringing uh, to you in the next uh, few days you're basically you're getting more of me and Harmi that's, that's basically the news <laughs> um, subscribe and uh, listen to the podcast uh, on the following of feed on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts or Spotify but for now thanks for listening to The Cricket Collective The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.